0: Hey, it's JT. I'm coming to a city near you, and if you would love to have a bulletproof for BJJ seminar, contact us. Reach out to me at jt at bulletproof dot com and let me know. I will be in Europe, the UK, Brazil, United States, and Canada after July this year. This is the world tour. This is the opportunity. We'll be doing mobility. We'll be doing strength work. It's the all-encompassing Bulletproof Seminar. So get in contact, and it'll be great to meet you guys face-to-face. Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist
1: does not become tense, but ready.
0: Essentially, at this point, the fight is over.
1: So you pretty much flow with the goal.
0: Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. Hi, guys. I'm JT. Hey, guys. I'm Joey. Today, we're discussing imposter syndrome. I don't deserve my belt. Ha! This is a, This is a bit of a thing. I didn't actually fully appreciate it until it was brought to my attention
1: this came through on the instagram yeah someone being like uh, someone who we know recently got graded and was like hey talk to me about tell me about that
0: yeah i don't feel like i you know it wasn't right for me i don't feel like i'm good at this level you know and this is difficult and a lot of people experience this in other realms of life whether it's their job or in, in other spheres where maybe they are getting promoted and they feel like it doesn't necessarily serve them or is not a true reflection of where they're at Mm. and because there's a lot of expectation around belts isn't there you know like oh when that person's a blue belt they should x yeah well that guy's not really a purple belt look he can't even why
1: yeah people will put their sort of views on it and you'll be like oh fuck well that doesn't align with what i thought or where i think i'm at and yeah that that can fuck you up yeah psychologically
0: and the thing that i've observed over time i've always graded under people who made you stay on your belt for ages so i didn't really have that problem i never really had the expectation like grade me now but i spent reasonable time at each belt yes and worked hard there but then for some other people who may not be necessarily as confident they're worried about their rank because i guess that the feeling is you get graded and you're like oh no and we talked about this before joe you get a belt and now everyone who's lower ranked than you is trying to smoke you. Yeah, right. That's real.
1: Of course. Yeah. Even though
0: the two weeks before you were all the same belt, and
1: yeah, they didn't give a fuck about yeah, you. They're yeah. Like, yeah. But now, now you're- you've, ju- you've you've gone onto the other side of the fence. I'm coming for you. Public enemy number one. There's a target on you. Yeah, and the scrutiny. There is a degree of scrutiny. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting. Obviously, having got my black belt just in November, which, you know, whatever, that was like five months ago. Way too soon. Way too soon, you know. I was like, fuck, shoot, five give be brown for another few years. <laughs> Get comfortable here. But, you know, but there, there's a case, right? There's a case for the journey I'd been on, right? Let's look at this objectively. The journey I'd been on at brown belt, I would argue when I got my black belt, it wasn't my peak of brown belt. I wasn't at my best of jujitsu, And many things contributed to that. COVID was one of them, but also like my knee injury, Sure. right? And so the knee injury was like, I don't know, a year and a half prior to that. Mm. If you were looking at it on a spreadsheet, you'd be like, no, that guy's not ready because you're doing better here and now we need to get back up to that peak or whatever, right? Yeah. So for me, when I got that belt, I I definitely felt some of this imposter syndrome piece. Right. And I think it's it's natural just to feel that anyway. But one of the things for me was my expectation of what I thought I would feel like when I got a black belt. Right. And so what I mean by that is for my whole Jiu Jitsu career, I've looked at black belts and thought, wow, you are like an expert of this art. The gods. And you must just feel so confident in your ability and every part of your game is perfect, as perfect as it can be. Sure. Right? And then you get to fucking black belt and you're like, man, I got so many holes in my game. Yeah fuck that blue belt passed my gardler, fuck Whoa. like, oh man. And you, you realize like, man, there's so much shit that I'm doing wrong, mm. right? Yeah. And then you start to get analytical about that. And then, you know, and it's very easy to then jump to, well, how did I fucking, how am I a black belt? Like <laughs> surely I'm not representative of this yet. Yeah, And, you know, on pondering that more, you realize, wow, how fascinating it is that now that I'm here, the feeling is very different to what I thought it would be. Yeah, you thought it would be like a confidence instiller or consolidator, but now it's actually opened up questions and doubts and fears. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would think that like say coming from this fellow who wrote a question on Instagram, I would think it'd be exactly the same thing. Like I remember going to comps at White Belt and I look – at the blue belts and you're like, oh man, they look like savages. So good. Look at that guy warming. Fuck, he looks so mean. He looks professional. Yeah. And then you get a blue belt and then you're looking at the purple belts. You're like, man, that that purple belt looks scary. Look at that guy. You know, and it's, you're just always looking at the next thing. Yeah. When you're a white belt, you don't even look at the brown belts. It's so out of your scope. Yeah. You have these expectations of how you think you're going to be when you get there. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't play into the belts prior to black belt as much. Sure. Because... Black belt's the one where it's like, I should be an expert now. All the other ones are like stepping points to that. True. In in a sense. But I would counter that slightly because I believe
0: our good friend was actually talking from the perspective of being like a blue belt and maybe somebody giving you a blue when you're like, oh, I'm not not there yet. That is partly trusting your coach. That's partly your coach understanding you and the journey you're on because not everybody is a competitor. Not everybody is – Going to Worlds, going to Pan-Americans, trying to be the best ex like blue belt, purple in the world to then get their grade. So sometimes it will partly be a personal development thing because that's part of it. Someone comes to the gym, they're a complete jerk and then over time they become nicer, they roll with better control. So, yeah, they're learning techniques like everyone else but there is a degree of personal development depending on the coach. Yeah. You know, like the coach may care or yeah. may not. Some gyms, you know, they're kind of pushing people through on grades because maybe it's a little bit McDojo. We did talk about that previously. Oh, we spoke about that. Oh, did we? I think this is where we're coming back to sometimes you're not the best judge. You know, like we have too much emotion and too much subjectivity. Like we load so much of our self-perception and all this negative self-talk and self-criticism, a whole lot of nonsense, when really you've just got to look for evidence. I recently was listening to an audio book and it's all about how you can cultivate confidence. And it's written by the head trainer at uh, West Point Military College. Forgive me, I've forgotten his name, but he was saying that in uh, military conflict, it's not about being arrogant. It's not about like, I'm really good or I've won this before. You've got to look at the situation and go, are we improving? How can we measure that? Look for evidence to support we can advance or we can't advance and this is why. And be objective about it. Sometimes that can't be you. So you, can't, you almost can't trash yourself in that situation. You actually either need to talk to your coach or talk to your training partner or talk to somebody who knows you within jiu-jitsu and you can be like, man, I, maybe I, I shouldn't be here. And I, I did feel that way a little bit at Purple Belt and I had someone say to me, man, look how much you've improved. You know, where were you this time last year? He's like, you're way better this time. I just lost a championship. I lost in the final. I was pretty gutted.
1: I don't deserve.
0: Nah, I'm not good enough to be here. He's like, bro, you're second. You beat all these other guys. Like, And I was like, yeah, but I just don't feel like this is – he's like, yeah, but think about where you were. Let's look at where you were a year ago as a blue belt, doing whatever at blue belt. Now you're a purple belt. It's a different jump. So you got to acknowledge, yeah, there's a new level and maybe whatever your self-expectation is very high, but the evidence is you are better. You're doing better jujitsu. Maybe you're trying a guard like spider guard, or you're trying something which is trickier to do, so maybe you're being less successful now. But in the context of the whole journey, the evidence is you're moving forward, and the belt you've been given is an acknowledgement from your coach. It doesn't really matter how you feel about it. I mean, it matters in far that it's great if you feel good about it, but you shouldn't feel bad about it.
1: No, no, that's exactly right. I think that, it, yeah, like what you said, it's it's extremely hard for us to pull ourselves out of the trench that we're in mm. and be able to look at the whole landscape from a bird's eye perspective and go, okay, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I was here and then and then I got to here and then kind of now I'm here. And, and understanding that along that journey your perspectives change and, and there's emotional inputs and, and influences that will shape your thinking. Like that classic thing of – you get to black belt and you realize or you you know or you get to brown belt or you get to purple belt but you realize how much you don't know. Mm. We've spoken about this before. I think for me I know blue belt was my peak of jiu-jitsu arrogance. <laughs> I, I knew I everything and yes. I smashed everyone.
0: Yeah, you were the best.
1: Yeah, you know, and and it, I didn't smash everyone. It's just that I put it on absolutely every person with, with sheer athleticism and youth. Yeah, And the people that smashed me, I just forgot about those roles. Yeah, <laughs> just blocked it out. Yeah, like some black belt kicked my ass. I'm like, Delete. whatever, didn't happen. He got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and you're so ob- oblivious to the whole game. You've got the beginnings of your game you've developed, and it's quite savage at that point. So, you know, like, yeah, you kind of hit this sort of golden period. Yeah, it's just interesting what happens to your perspective as you travel along the line. And to your point it takes somebody outside of you to go, hey, man, I think this is where you're at. Correct. And you have to be able to trust that, hopefully. Yes. Unless you're at a McDojo. Uh,
0: And And then maybe when you hit that point, say you don't have that relationship with your coach or you have a new coach, your coach left, whatever, and you don't have that relationship there, maybe it is time to change gyms. Because maybe that person isn't interested in your development or anything like that. And, that. and that's pretty important. You do need to trust that advice. But also, maybe if you're at a huge gym and you don't get much time with the instructor, which is fine. Like, that's what it's like if you train at a very popular gym. You do need to look to form a relationship with a higher belt. Someone who... They're not your mentor, but, you know, they care enough that they'll give you two cents. So when you say, hey, is this, is this technique okay or am I doing this wrong or whatever... They actually give you feedback and say, hey, man, I I saw you rolling. You did really well there. Because the classic thing, and this is what we all do as humans, it's very easy for us to remember our negative experiences. It is a much smaller – it is the Kanye West of our world who can only remember their successes. They don't remember any tragic failures. They don't remember that they tried to start a KFC chain that completely failed. You know.
1: Kanye tried to start a KFC chain? Yeah. (laughs) Like,
0: yeah. He tried to start a women's fashion chain. Oh, wow. This is all before his other deals, you know. But he—he's he, never going to talk about that because he's now the ten billion dollar man. Yeah, right. And he'll tell you that. And so that's fine. Like I—I I think that for the best part, most of us need to be a bit more confident and a little bit more have a bit more self belief. But for the best part, jujitsu does way more to undermine your confidence than build it. And I—I've actually said this to a few people. People like. Oh, I don't want to go to the gym. Oh, do I toss up? Do I go to the gym or do I go to jiu-jitsu? I always feel better after jiu-jitsu. I'm like, no, that's not true. You haven't trained enough. If you go to the gym, it's under your control. If you go and lift weights, it's under your control. If you're tired, you might not lift as much. Or if you feel good, you might lift a bit more. You know, obviously some people out there may have injured themselves at the gym, but I have never really had that experience. Lifting weights, I haven't injured myself. Only at jiu-jitsu really have I kind of been seriously injured. So then I look at that and I go, some nights at jiu-jitsu will make you want to quit. Like nothing works. You get swept by someone like lower rank than you, someone who you always kick their ass, they triangle you. You know, you, you buddy, nothing's working. And then, you know, your coach might actually look at you struggling and laugh, and you're like, oh, they hate me. <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> my world's falling down. You walk out of the gym, oh, I don't want to go back. We have we all have had moments where we're like, fuck this. I want to. Like, I just want to quit. It's too hard. Yeah. It's too much. I don't need this shit. I don't need this in my life. It's negativity. We keep showing up. We keep finding a way. When someone actually does acknowledge you and says, hey, I think you've done something good here. Even if you don't believe it in yourself, you've got to have a look at where you started to where you are now. And then look at that more broadly. Like, don't get too caught up in yourself. Look at the people around you and see that there is so much variation at each belt. And that's Okay that doesn't mean, oh, they're terrible purple belt or they're really good black belt or like there is so many different levels within each level that that is just reflective of diversity in human experience. So if you're feeling you're at the bottom of the food chain, maybe you are, that's okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like the adversity, I, I recently uh, interviewed Thomas a good friend of mine, black belt, uh, who runs Alliance Vancouver. And he's a lightweight guy. He's a light feather So he fights 55 kilos or lighter. Oh, wow. Yeah, Rooster, I think, is sub-50. Yeah. He was the littlest guy other than Bruno Malfacini at his gym in Sao Paulo. He was the smallest guy. And I saw him go to war with big guys, and they brutalized him. And I'm like, dude, you got smashed. I witnessed you get smashed, but you still showed heart. Like, you didn't back down. You took the smashing, and you just sat back up like, let's go, let's go, every time. You just had this intense will, not in an aggressive way, just like an unyielding will. And I said, man, like, how can you deal with that? Because he had knee surgery when I trained with him. And I was like, how do you do it? He's like, the hardness and the adversity is what's good about jiu It's good for us. It's good for us to struggle. Not many people say that. <laughs> it's not often you talk to someone and go, yeah, I suffered. That was good for me. Yeah, that was just kind of his take on it. And he's like, that's the, that's the beauty in the journey. and That's why jiu-jitsu is great, because it's hard. And there's not many things that we can pursue in life that are so hard. Especially if you're a light featherweight in a gym full of heavyweights getting beat down every day.
1: Yeah, it's a great call. I think that, like, the physical difficulty of jiu jitsu is often spoken about. Like, you know, you're getting squashed and you're in bad positions and there's always a way out and all that sort of thing. But perhaps the more emotional side of it, which is you leave training and feel like you're shit. Yep. You want to quit or you get about, you feel like I'm not worthy of this. Those. Things are also hard. There's that whole emotional side to it, Mm. which is also the beauty, isn't it? That's also what you need more of. Yeah. This imposter syndrome thing, it is an extremely powerful motivator for you to go and fix up flaws in your game. Definitely. I never watch instructionals. Like right. I just I just don't have time for them. That's cool. But Once I got my black belt, all of a sudden I started to watch a couple of instructionals. Oh, look
0: at yeah, out. Yeah, Good I know. Version. I
1: was like, you know what? I do need a solution for that thing. Let's see what YouTube's got to say. Yeah. Started to take some notes on things. And
0: speak to this, Joseph.
1: What? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was just like, man, I got I to gotta be proactive or, you know, and I, and I guess I say this for someone listening, like to, to speak in your, in their words, it's like, if I believe that whatever colored belt should have these qualities, well then they're the qualities that I need to go and master. Like they're the qualities I need. What kind of person are you? Yeah. Are you the kind of person who does the extra exactly. work? Yeah. And you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I was like, okay, I got to fix this shit up. All right, cool. Let's look for a solution for that. Oh, that fucking thing happened in training. Why is that thing still happening? I need a solution for that. Sometimes it's, you know, ask Adam. Yep. Ask you, or it's like jump on YouTube, whatever, but you proactively go and get the solution. Definitely. And that's a real shift in energy. Yes. You know, and I think then you start to have success with that thing and then you're like, okay, oh, wow, my my perspective has shifted now. Yeah. So actually Ollie from- purple belt from Alliance. I think it was the first week when I came in after getting my black belt. He said, how's it feeling, man? He said, have you got the imposter syndrome yet? And I was like, dude, I totally do. He's like, yeah, of course. Like everyone's gonna, you know, it was just really, it was really funny. Now I think about it, I'm like, no, I don't have it. Right. You know, now I, and, and, and that's just interesting that there is a, a period of time where I think it's almost, maybe it's not essential, but it's kind of somewhat necessary depending on you and your journey. Uh, it doesn't last forever. Yeah. And I, I think
0: you can beat imposter syndrome. Like I think this is a thing that so much of what is around us in the day-to-day society, I'm not trying to say anything too super deep here about the media or get too meta. Oh, no, go there. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the mainstream media is designed to control your mind. <laughs> Let's get Alex Jones in this piece. Um, no, I, literally so much of what is pushed out in the world is to create fear and doubt. Because it is so much easier to sell things to people who are feeling a bit indecisive and insecure. If you're really secure, if you're really level, if you're really mindful, calm, not materialistic, healthy, you don't need anything. <laughs> you don't binge buy anything. You're not watching Netflix. You don't have subscriptions. You bloody meditate. I read a book. Like It doesn't make money. Right, And this is – I'm being 100% honest here. If we we're all super healthy, super fit, even if we all, you know, did our mobility, we don't need to go see the physio, you know, like there's so many things that if we become more self-reliant, we spend less on external things and we focus more on internal things. Mm-hmm. And then we, we're not motivated by external things. Now, this might not this might go against the BJJ belt system, but it just means that you're calmer, you know. And, and my whole goal – and this. Joe might laugh at this, but my goal is actually to be calmer as much to stop Joe from wanting to punch my face in every single day. But it's because I find in myself, I, I feel, it's not anxious, but I feel urgent. There's an urgency in me and I don't know where it comes from. It's just this, it's not even insecurity. I just, it's not even the caffeine. There's just something in me, which is unnecessary. It's just, it doesn't actually help me that much, even though it drives me, it doesn't help me because I'm always trying to move to the next thing. And the best thing is right now. So if we circle this back around to humans every day, we're taught to be, feel insufficient. We're taught, oh, you're not beautiful. Oh, you're ugly. Oh, you're too fat. Oh, you're too thin. You're too blah, 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 blah. Be different. Here's how you change yourself, buy this product. In truth, you're good enough, trust yourself. And then if you don't trust yourself, you learn this over time, make sure that you've got someone who can help you to give you proper feedback which is not emotional which isn't loaded with the angst which isn't loaded with the anxiety and you just got to be less self-critical like this isn't about ego this isn't about oh i'm the best you know when you've got like i don't know like a scrunched up bit of wrapper or paper and you go to like you're like huh, i'm michael jordan and you go i don't know if you do this i do this i'm like i'm a so, like, basketball tragic from the 90s i'm like i'm gonna nail this from all the way back here and you miss you're like fuck, oh, shit what <laughs> What made you think I'm a fucking loser? Oh, I suck. Yeah. Like why why did you even why did you do that? It's a game, it's meant to be fun. And then why are you so why are you beating
1: down on yourself for that? We do this all the time. You know, like you're standing there. JT is extremely hard on himself. I can speak to that. <laughs> when we shoot some content, I'll give you guys, I'll give you guys a cool example here. We shoot some content. Like JT, we're going to shoot some videos. Like, cool, let's go. And it's like, hey, here's what we need to talk about. And let's say we're shooting something for the program on our members area or it's something for YouTube. And uh, JT will be like, great, what are we doing? I'll be like, man, I want you to um, tell us about hip mobility. We're going to do three exercises. Uh, Give us an intro. And JT will go, yeah, right, okay, camera's rolling. And then we'll finish the first take of the intro and JT will be like, how was that? And I'll be like, it was okay, but we could do better. And he'll be like, yeah, I know. And then... Okay, we'll go again. And then I look at JT and he's like, fuck, <laughs> fuck. I'm like, bro, relax. It's your first take. Like go easy on yourself. And you're like, no, man, it's just, I could do better. I know he gets on Nate Diaz. And you're like, you're like, bro, shit. Like stop being down on yourself.
0: Look, I think the thing is this: I have been shooting health and fitness videos for twenty years, so it's like I expect by now that I am a bit of a one take wonder. Like if I know what I'm saying, I can nail it. But it is true; it is true. I do have an internal dialogue which is hypercritical, but that's why I'm saying this. It's not even that I'm, I'm giving this advice from a place of oh, I'm so calm and I'm I don't criticize myself. I have the tiger mom in my head, which is that's not good enough, do better. But then the flip side of that is I also have the very confident voices like, no, that was great. Good on you. It's hard to juggle that. Yeah. And
1: so to be able to run with both. When
0: we've come back to jujitsu and we're like, okay, you've got a belt and you're feeling insecure and you feel like an imposter, like you're a blue belt and the white belts are kicking you. You've got those four-stripe white belts kicking your ass. Understand that they want to be you. It's a compliment. When someone rolls you hard, that's because they respect your jiu-jitsu. If someone's just kind of playing with you, that's not good jujitsu. jitsu And I always say it to my students, like, if I'm giving you a hard roll, it's because you're good enough. I'm not just – I'm not being a bully. I'm, I'm rolling you harder because you have the skills to deal with it. And so I'm respecting you. I'm, and the respect goes up. Every time you get better, I dial the respect up. A little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah. And, and we're like, when it's black belt, it's just – it's full respect. Let's kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I believe that you can grow into your belt. I think once you've got it, there's no option. It's you either shrink or you swell. Like you, you either get better or you quit.
1: And you have to. I mean, if you look at that, it's like say you're crossing a threshold from blue belt to purple belt. Yeah. Okay, you've done all this time at blue belt. Yep, great. You got really good. You're that savage blue belt. And then you you get graded to purple belt. Mm. There, of course, has to be a period where you... Suck as a purple belt. Maybe not the best anymore. Because you've yeah. just jumped over to that side. Mm. Like you should experience some self-doubt. Mm. The idea that you would come into that new belt and be like, I'm a fucking proficient purple belt. <laughs> like, no, you were just a blue belt yesterday. Yeah. So there has, you know, like we're on these belts for years. Sure. I think when you, when you look at it that way, it's like, oh yeah, of course I'm going to feel unprepared and, and whatever, like my confidence will be a bit shaken and all those things. That's part of you stepping into bigger boots. Mm. And then of course, starting that process of growing into the new belt.
0: Definitely. And there will be more expected of you, but that's what goes with the territory. Yeah. That's why higher belts do get more respect. You can't just act the same. You can't just be like, Oh, I'll just do exactly what I did at blue belt. Nope. That's not going to cut it. Same thing. You go to brown belt. Oh, now we've got some leg locks in there. It's a different game. And then I guess even though this may only be the smallest percentage of people out there, but if if you get that black belt and then you meet other black belts, and you've just got your black belt, you're in your first year. You meet someone who's been a black belt for twenty years. It's totally. It's just so different. The do con- not expect to be on a level playing field no the context that the amount of jujitsu they've seen the people they've trained with you're no one
1: the amount of times they've addressed emotional discomfort like maybe you're experiencing yeah like they've been through that fire multiple oh, times they're
0: seasoned there was a movie many years ago called the thin red line it's a war
1: movie mm. and there's a particular shot in australia queensland
0: oh champ
1: Yeah, Joe was on that set. Yeah. <laughs> no, but a lot of my co-workers at the time did work on oh, it. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: And there's this very grizzled admiral. And the private's always like, oh, hi, sir. Good day. Good day, sir. And he's like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's so, he's the meanest, saltiest like He's doll. five degree black belt. Oh, he's <laughs> the five degree black belt. And he goes into the final conflict when they push over the region. To, I, I believe there's a degree of historical truth to the, the thing that occurs he's just got a pistol he doesn't even have a rifle and he's walking around just god god like no armor just walking they're all like helmets and flat jacket he's like no nah, i'm walking into the fire i know exactly what i'm getting into he's so resolute and he's so prepared to die he actually stays alive way longer than everyone else <laughs> it's kind of frightening and i'm not saying that you have to become the grizzled old general but when you see so much and you do have that time of overcoming your own hurdles, seeing other people overcome theirs. And you you realize it's going to be okay. You will be good enough in time, but you've got to stay in the game. Just because you meet that first hurdle of serious self-doubt, that's not the time to quit. That's No one gets better doing that. And so really, once you accept that and you go, okay, I'm not as good as I thought I would be, that's when the improvement starts and then – that's where we're really, I think true benefit in jiu-jitsu is that humility and your ability to get better from there.
1: Yeah, that's where the growth happens. Cool. Can I shout out a couple of humans? Please. We've received a couple of really cool contacts from folks lately. And we get these all the time, but I thought I'd just share them on the show. Uh, I had a really cool Instagram message from a fella named Maddie Whale. He said, Hey guys, really enjoy the podcast as a newer jiu-jitsu athlete. He's been trained for less than two years. To have a relatable podcast that's all Aussie is cool. I'm going to sign up to your program at some stage and give it a crack. It's just a matter of when. Three days a week of training, jiu-jitsu, and working full-time, plus I got three kids, is a real juggle. Oh, yeah. i mean I feel your pain. Absolutely. So, Matty, thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Nice to hear from you. And then the other one was really cool. A fella named Daniel... Really enjoyed your podcast episode a couple of weeks ago about how focusing on top game is better than guard in terms of long-term impact and injuries. Yes. Great episode if you haven't caught that one yet. It touched a – put on a heartstring for a lot of people. I will definitely take this into account and try to focus on top (laughs) game slash not spend too much time in flexion getting cross-faced, et cetera. (laughs) Uh, But he's got a question here. Just wondering if you have any more advice on becoming proficient on the bottom while also minimising chances of injury – which types of guard to steer clear of and which you reckon are the least risky. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Cheers from London, Daniel. Oh, wow. Shout out, London town. Uh, yeah, I mean, just in short, I, I personally found that when I was come back from knee surgery, can, a lot of the open guards that I like to play, so X guard, single leg X and lasso, didn't feel safe at all for me. So I switched back to closed guard and to like half guard. Yeah. Which, you know, I could keep my affected leg on the bottom when I was playing half guard so I could use my more capable leg as the knee shield. And that really worked well for me. Well, I was going to say the two guards that I
0: would avoid... So this is... It seems you've got to level this out. So that you don't get physically smashed on the bottom, you need good guard retention. Generally, that's related to playing quite open guards. Lasso talks the hell out of your knee. Like, definitely avoid lasso. Also, spider guard even though in the moment when you have both your both your feet and the biceps you got your grips you're kind of good for a minute as soon as people start leg dragging and kicking and moving the chance of you having your foot twisted almost like the effect of a heel hook is actually quite high
1: yeah it's wily
0: it is it's a, a little bit sketchy what i was going to say is like speaking to that half guard thing with you joe collar sleeve is actually like even though it's considered an open guard, you can organise your feet almost like a half or a closed guard and still have very good control over the upper body. Right. So if you've got a suspect leg, you can kind of let it hang out and you can play collar sleeve. So if you guys don't know what collar sleeve guard is, Homolo Bahal, B-A-R-R-A-L, famous from GB, multiple time world champion, he's awesome at it. Anyone else is putting good information out there. That is a variation on open guard that will keep your knees safe and it's easy to keep your guard so the other thing is this there are many people doing inversions that's cool and that's really good for guard retention and taking the back but there's all these other positions and a lot of other hard work that you have to do which won't put you under so much flexion so it's not to say never invert but if you work on your guard and your positioning without inverting that's going to save you hassles with your back and your
1: neck yeah. Great point. Great advice there. Guys, thanks for listening. If you want some help with your training and we're talking building strength and flexibility specifically for BJJ in the most efficient amount of time possible, we have a program. We got hundreds of people just like you that are in there getting strong and flexible as we speak. As a listener of the podcast, you get 20% off if you use the code Podcast. So to claim that, all you got to do is go to sign up for a free trial, chuck in the code podcast. you get the discount and you can connect with JT and I on our private Facebook group and we're talking in there every week with the people on our program, providing solutions and just generally making sure everyone's getting the most from their training. We are also on Patreon. So if you do want to support us some other way, you can go to Patreon. We've got different options there. You can buy us a coffee. You can buy us a bowl of acai, whatever you choose. We thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks guys. Cheers, John.